Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Ben Hebert with me. Ben is the co-founder of Natural Stacks, which is a dietary supplement company. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's it going, Success Harbor? Excited to be here. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate you being here on Success Harbor. Uh, can you tell our audience what was your first entrepreneurial experience, how you got in uh, to the whole business of uh, running your own business? Okay. Um, this takes me back a little bit to maybe 2009. I had just transferred colleges because the recession hit and I came back home. And while I was at the University of Maryland in College Park, actually, I got an internship uh, with an e-commerce company that was called giftcardrescue.com. Um Started working there and doing some SEO and some online marketing, some blogging and things like that. And really, um, I guess, getting started in entrepreneurship. And then as the company grew, um, the founder, Kwame, actually extended me a full-time offer uh, while I was still in school. So I ended up transferring schools and going full-time and going to night classes to finish up my degree. And... Um, pretty much learned everything or, or got a foundation of entrepreneurship there. And, so what uh, were some of the things that you learned? <laughs> well, the, the first year we started, I think we did $250,000 in revenue. Later that year, we appeared on the Shark Tank, and eventually we were able to scale the company to $2 million the next year and then $6 million before I left. So I kind of got a firsthand experience on everything as far as – you know, e-commerce, PR, marketing, you know, what it takes to build, you know, customers, how to grow a business. It was everything I wanted uh, to learn from college, I, I learned in my experience there. Okay. And so what happened after going to uh, Gift Card Rescue? How, how long were you there? I was there for three years. And the reason I left was the business had, had really stabilized. Um, it was It was still growing, but... At the same time, I was kind of burnt out and decided to do something new. And uh, really, I just did a bunch of traveling because I had started a music uh, blog for fun before that, and it really started to take off. So how did you start? Uh, what the, what's the music uh, blog called? My, my music blog is whiteraverrafting.com. It's like a funny name, and uh, we, we cover electronic dance music which, as you know, is extremely popular right now. So how did you get into that whole thing? Why, why start a blog on that? I think I started a blog for the same reason most people do, because it was a passion. Um, one of my first concerts was uh, an artist named Pretty Lights. And once I kind of heard the music, I wanted to share it with kind of everyone you know, that I knew. And it was a lot easier for me to do that through a blog or website rather than just trying to use social media and things. And I started it kind of, I think, September of 2011. And the next summer, electronic dance music really started to catch on. So we were able to ride that wave. And now it's probably one of the biggest uh, electronic websites in the United States. So when you started it, it was more like a hobby, or did you think that, you know, yeah, uh, I'm, I, want the, I want this to be a business? It was definitely a hobby. Um, had no intention of bringing on other writers or growing it. It was kind of just like, this is something I like doing, 
and this is what I'm going to do in my spare time. And I used all of my skill set that I kind of had developed at Gift Card Rescue, you know, with SEO and things like that, and, and put that into the site. So it was fun using my skills when I guess what you would call a passion project. So with all the SEO and, um, you know, the writing and promotion, um, what we, I mean, now it's, uh, about, what, three years after uh, you started? Where, where, is, where is this site now? How, how is it doing in terms of traffic and popularity? We can um, get anywhere from 150 to 250,000 unique visitors a month. Uh, page views will be like two to three times that. It all depends on the kind of content that we're putting up, but it, it's really been incredible. Uh, I have a dedicated team of about 15 people, and you know I'm sending people to festivals to take pictures and write reviews, and we're meeting artists, and it's it's really been an amazing uh, adventure. And I, I call it an adventure because we've never really approached it like a business, more of like it's a brand in the space, and, and we want to have fun with it. Do you monetize it in any way? We do monetize. Uh, we're actually with an ad network. Uh, they're called the BPM Network, and they sell our ad inventory for us. And then we split uh, the commission with them 50%, which is great. So if, if you're a blogger out there and you're looking to monetize, if you can get a specific ad network in whatever niche you're in, uh, you don't have to sell the ads yourself. They're going out and selling the space for you. And because it's it's very niche and dedicated to whatever you're blogging about, usually the CPMs are significantly higher than what you'd be able to find and negotiate on your own. And that way you can focus on growing the website instead of trying to, to sell the ads, which is a completely different avenue. So how much traffic did you have to have uh, to be considered uh you know, for this ad network? I think at the time when we first signed on, this is going to be about a year and a half ago, uh, maybe like 150,000 to 200,000 uniques a month. But it's a, it's a very targeted audience in, in different uh, metropolitan areas in the United States. So for the advertisers looking to, you know, talk to electronic dance music fans, you know, we are exactly where they want to be. Mm -hmm. That's that's great. So let's talk about uh, and that business is still up and running and uh, producing revenue for you. So that's just one of the uh, businesses that you own right now, right? That's correct. So let's talk about the uh, your other business, uh, Natural Stacks. Uh, why don't you can you in a, in a sentence uh, talk about what Natural Stacks is or a couple of sentences? Sure, no problem. At Natural Stacks, we create premium open source dietary supplements. Um, and, and what open source means is a lot of times in the supplement space, uh, you'll see like a diet pill with some magic proprietary formula called, you know, the slim down something something. And there's like 10 or 15 different ingredients in there. And you have no idea, you know, how much of each thing's there what it exactly is, where it came from, and things like that, which is a major problem because you don't know, you know exactly what you're putting into your body. So with what we do at Natural Stacks, we create unique formulas that are only a couple of different ingredients, put all the information there on our website. It's very easy to read and then to make a decision whether you think 
uh, the supplement or product will be you know beneficial for you. So that's really interesting because um, you know open source. So does that mean it's the opposite of a secret recipe, so to speak? It is the opposite of a secret recipe. That's correct. So and I I like I mean I like open source and software. I you know I don't I'm not familiar with it in the uh, supplement industry, but I, I kind of like the idea. So when you have something that's open source, uh, does that mean that anybody can go out there and use the same formula for a product? I think certainly we, we do have a lot of competition out there, which is kind of adapting to what we're doing. But we are the first company in the entire world in the supplement industry, which in the United States is you know, $14 billion alone. You know, we're, we're the first company to do this approach. And our feedback that we've had from customers has been you know, absolutely phenomenal. So basically, how do you differentiate when anybody can go and, and take the product that you're selling? We do a lot of different things to differentiate uh, between us and the competitors, but a lot of that has to deal with our process, our sourcing. It's, uh, it, it's very difficult to kind of convey something to a customer if you were to rip us off um, because the trust isn't there. So the established trust that we have, the relationships we've been able to build, uh, have allowed us to scale pretty quickly. It's 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 really interesting to me because um, I think a lot of people think, you know, when when entrepreneurs have a business idea, they treat it as a secret, and they think that's the secret is is what's going to make them successful, not the execution. And for me, when you talk about open source, it sounds like you know. It really is about the execution. It's about how you relate to your customer. It's how you treat your customers. And it's, it's less about that secret ingredient in the product. It's more about building the business around it. You're, you're exactly right, George. And a lot of this gets back to my experience uh, at Gift Card Rescue because we were competing against you know, some super venture-funded companies and everyone knows what we're doing. Everyone knows what they're doing. You know, we're all kind of doing a similar thing. But exactly what you said, it comes down to execution. And when you look at business, you know, in no matter what space it might be, uh, sure, you can have a couple of things secret. And, and we definitely have proprietary processes and things of that nature as well. But we're all trying to do something similar. And it comes down to executing. It comes down to your relationships. And it comes down to, you know, pulling things off that you know other people can. I want to get into that execution part and you know the the things that you really care about as a company but let's you know go back a little bit to the beginning. What was the reason for starting Natural Stacks? What what did you see in the market that told you that yeah, this is a this is a good idea? Well, I think or um and I have a co-founder his name is Roy Krebs. Uh, he's a former college athlete, you know, black belt. So we both have these athletic backgrounds and have been using supplements for a while. And we both just became aware of the problem that there's a lot of things out there that are difficult to trust. And we wanted to bring that kind of trust to the supplement industry. And that's kind of how Natural Snacks came together. So you just mentioned your uh, co-founder, Roy. Um, how did the two of you become uh, business partners? It's It's funny. When, uh, when we actually started the business and we were going through our, our first couple of production runs, uh, I took a bunch of money out of the bank 
and put it into his account without ever even meeting him, (laughs) (laughs) which which was a big risk, but we're all good now. Um, I actually did some consulting prior, so I've always done some side work like most entrepreneurs will do out there. Um, When you're working on ideas, you need cash to fund them, and Roy had another business that he was up and running, so I came in. We did some marketing things to help grow it, and he actually – What was that business? Uh, I, I can't discuss it. Uh, oh, okay. he, he's, he's gone on and sold it since then, so mm-hmm. it's not something that we, that we can talk about. But um, we, we built our relationship there, and then when the opportunity or idea for Natural Stacks came together, you know, we decided you know, that relationship worked well. I think we can do it as business partners too. So let's talk about validation. When After you came up with the idea – what was your process of, of validation in terms of testing the product and, and talking to customers or potential market? And did you do any of that? We did a lot of validation, and we still do validation every single day. Um, it, it's incredibly important for us to talk to the customers, to have that open relationship, and, and to get feedback. So what we did very early on was we approached numerous uh, experts, and then also, you know, I guess you call them experts as well, you know, popular people in different forums and things like that, told them what we were doing, told them, you know, showed them what our products were, and when we got the products in, you know, we sent them out to them for feedback, and we've been able to continue to grow that network. So when you're talking about feedback and things like that and validation, I mean, this is something that you do every single day. You know, when we're growing our processes, when we're trying to sell to someone, you know, every day we're looking at what we're doing, what we can improve on, and, you know, how we're going to change going forward. So who is taking your supplement? Who are you targeting? Well, at Natural Stacks, our focus is optimal performance. So our customer base ranges significantly. Everyone from pro athletes, CEOs, people on Wall Street, college students, uh, people doing creative work. It, it's really been an awesome shift to see um, people just take health into their own hands. And, and we're kind of championing, championing that movement. So let's talk about the first year in, in business with um, Natural Stacks. What were some of the greatest challenges that you, you were faced with? I think one of the greatest challenges early on being a bootstrapped company, no matter what industry you're in, well, especially if you're in the product space, is forecasting inventory. Because obviously – uh, you're going to spend a tremendous amount of capital in your production runs, and you don't know how well uh, a product's going to sell. So I think that is something early on that we struggled with, but have since developed uh, methods to, you know, prevent things from going out of stock and things of that nature. So inventory management uh, was the biggest challenge. Yes, it, it definitely was early on. Um, but, but like I said, any, any type of business, there's a learning curve involved. We're learning uh, about inventory, about seasonality, and kind of you know, what, it, uh, what it takes to kind of grow the brand in the space. So 
uh, talk about what are the most effective marketing channels for natural stacks. How do you grow the business? I think growing the business is talking to people. So right now I'm talking to you. I'm sure the listeners out there who want to improve their performance are going to go check out the website and see the different things that we're doing there. So every day, uh, our entire team is about making conversations and talking with real people. One thing I try and do almost every day is visit a location. So whether it's a gym or something like that, go in, give out some samples, talk to people, and build on that because I'm a big believer in network effects. And if I have a really good relationship with someone, you know, they're going to tell people. And that's kind of how we've spread. Okay. So you're selling both wholesale and retail, is that correct? That's correct. So how do you make a decision? Because uh, it's kind of a, two different businesses in a way, right? So how do you make the decision to, to go wholesale and retail? I think some of what we did was we modeled after the main players in the space, so we, you, you always want to take what some people are doing successful but not, not copy them entirely, but you can borrow some ideas there. But at the same time, we were also looking at this, you know, the same as like a clothing brand or something like that. You know, if, if you're Nike, you're sold everywhere. You're sold in the Nike store. You're sold in the sporting goods store. And we kind of want to be Nike. So that means retail. That means wholesale. And that means what other – or any other distribution channels we can find. And how do you select the resellers you work with? What, what is your criteria? I think it's very important uh, when you're working with resellers, one, to make sure that they're up to your standards of your brand. And when I talk about borrowing, you know, we look to Apple. So it's like Apple products aren't sold in every single store. Like you can't buy a MacBook everywhere. But you can at like a Best Buy and things like that. So we're, we're really looking for top retailers and top wholesalers, whether they be national or, or even local. So are you working with affiliates right now or have you considered it? We do some affiliate marketing. Uh, we, we run that in-house. We are not on a giant affiliate network, which I think is limiting in some ways. But at the same time, we have more control. And affiliate marketing is, uh, you know, as you know, an incredible space to be in. But in order to do it effectively, you really need someone to dedicate you know, a significant amount of time to it. So I think running it in-house allows us to kind of grow the program slowly. Uh, we have some great affiliates that we work with that I consider partners and friends. And... That's why I, I think it's kind of better at the same time to uh, run it in-house rather than, you know, go on one of the big networks because you might get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Also, it's very risky, isn't it? It, it is risky. Uh, I, I've been to the Affiliate Summit conference a couple of times and really learned about affiliate fraud and things of that nature. Um, it, they're, Scary it's a, a little bit, it, isn't it? It's a, dirty, it's a dirty world out there. <laughs> and, and you really have to protect yourself. And, and that's why, like I said, if you're doing this at scale and you can bring someone in who's an affiliate manager who knows what to look for, you know, that's one thing. Uh, but if, if you don't really have that, you're starting a new business or something, you know, run it in-house and really pay attention to the needs of your affiliates. And then if it comes to it, 
you can go into a bigger network, but I wouldn't start there right away. So what do you guys do do to build a following uh, for your brand? Something That's something that we're working on a lot because right now we are a brand, but brands need to you know pump out content and things like that. So we actually recently purchased the domain name uh, OptimalPerformance.com. That's a good name. It's a good name, and that's what we focus on. So optimal performance is, you know, mental, physical, and it's all aspects of life. So we're going to be pushing content through there in the future. We just ported our blog over there. Um, but How did it, you get that domain? Did you buy it from uh, some person? Or, I mean, it was registered already, <laughs> yeah, right? So. Yeah, so, so it was a registered domain, and what I did was uh, I had a friend pose or a friend buy it for me. And then uh, we just made the deposit because if you're trying to buy a domain name out there, Mm -hmm. um, the domain name squatters are incredibly good at looking up your information. Mm -hmm. Uh, The person that we bought the domain name from actually called my friend like on his cell phone and they had never exchanged numbers or anything like that uh, (laughs) as soon as he sent him an email. So – if he would have linked uh, linked it to Natural Stacks, I think the bidding price would have probably gone up significantly. How much did you pay for it? Uh, we did not pay. We probably paid twenty percent of the asking price. At, I, I don't want to get into the figure, but we got very lucky that we were able to go through through someone else. So if you're out there and you're really you really want a domain name. And I think there are some entrepreneurs that will tell you, oh, the domain name's not that important. Just get the business going. No, if you're in it for the long term, which you should be, you know, you only have one shot at this. So you might have to spend some money on it. Definitely don't tell them what you're doing. Don't tell them what your plans are. Try and get someone with a profile that uh, it would make sense for them to buy it and then uh, and then negotiate from there. I would always recommend offering like 10% of, of what they, uh, what the mm-hmm. listing price is because sometimes these things are sitting for, you know, 10 years or more and yeah. you know, the squatter will just want to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I interviewed, uh, the CEO of voices.com and you know, the domain itself is not going to, it's not success in itself, but it, it helps because he was already successful before he bought that domain. He had a successful business, but it really helped his business. And, and it was a similar story, you know, and he got a really good price. Um, but, you know, you can't just go out there and say, you know, I really want this domain. You have to be really smart about it. Yeah, you do. And someone should probably, like, release a course on buying domain names, like, sneakily, because, you know, they get more and more rare, and there's no worse feeling than you have this great idea for this business, you have a little bit of traction, and then you find out, like, the name is being squatted on, and you have to, yeah. like, raise the funds to go out and buy it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the role of social media. How active are you in uh, social media? We use social media to communicate with customers. Uh, of course, we're monitoring all of our keywords and things like that. But for us, um, I, I kind of – I don't put a giant emphasis on that. And and the main reason why is, you know, with White Raver Rafting, we have, you know, 14,000, 15,000 fans, like thousands and thousands of followers. 
and they don't make a tremendous impact. It's more like content driven in that space. So for us, it, it's not about reaching a mass amount of people. Uh, our focus is reaching the right people. And that means doing a lot of work offline and just talking to the market. It's kind of uh, refreshing to hear offline because everybody's raving about, you know, social media. It almost says, you know, nothing else exists in the world. But it's, you know, it's kind of good to hear that you can build a business without, you know, social media. I think for a lot of businesses, social media is great. And for ours, it's certainly great as well. But it's better if you're building relationships at scale uh, rather than doing trying to hit you know so many people with a targeted targeted message, but then again I, I know some people are entrepreneurs with different businesses online that absolutely kill it using social media. <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe it's just not my skill set. So um, how how important is uh, SEO or content marketing for for natural stacks? We do some SEO things. Um, but mainly that's to defend our brand, uh, our brand keywords. Uh, I, I think content marketing is very important in pushing out relevant information, which is what we're going to do through OptimalPerformance.com. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how you can really build trust with people. And it kind of fits in with our whole idea of, of how we run the business. I, I've read uh, that the first three months you had $100,000 revenue or something like that. Can you talk about that? That is correct. So in the, in the first three months, um, we did a product. We did our product launch, or I guess the initial business launch, and we're able to generate $100,000 in revenue. And what I did was I studied a lot of what the top internet marketers do. So even though we're not really in the internet marketing space. You know, when you're looking at, uh, I think one of the classes is like product launch formula. That guy, uh, John Chow, puts out a ton of great information about, you know, how he's doing, you know, million dollar launches on ClickBank. And I studied a lot of that and was able to use, you know, some of those things in our business. And, you know, as you know, we, we did 100K in three months, which was phenomenal and, and way beyond what we thought. So let's talk about uh, maybe a great learning experience. Um, you know, we could call it a, a mistake, but I like learning experience a lot more that our audience could learn from. Uh, can you share what was uh, the biggest mistake that you have made in business so far? The uh, biggest mistake, I think, was that we waited longer to hire. Um, you know, you, you read so much about, about business and processing all these things. And you might be okay to hire, so the revenues might support, you know, you could probably bring someone on. And I think everyone in business goes through this, where it's like things are going well, things are going okay or whatever, and you could bring someone on, but, you know, that would be stretching it, and you'd rather just do the work yourself. So I think if you're in that position, that you should hire, uh, as long as it's the right person. We brought someone on recently. It's been an amazing addition to our team. Has freed up my time and my partner's time to work on some other things. And I wish we would have done it, you know, months earlier. So, what is this person doing now that that really frees up your time? Well, because we're a startup, I think you wear every single hat, and we we all do. 
even though we might have distinct roles, uh, he, he's doing business development mainly. But to steal from what, uh, what Zappos does with all their employees, you know, we have them doing some customer service, calling people, you know, things of that nature, because that, that's how you build culture when you're experienced in every single area. And even just offloading some tasks on him is able to free up, you know, my time completely so I can speak with amazing individuals like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is the most important thing for an entrepreneur to focus on during the first one year of being in business? Ooh, the first year. It's, it, it's a good question. So I, I think if, if you're an entrepreneur working on a startup, it, it's a lot different than you're trying to start a business to kind of survive. So a startup will have like funding or something, and then you're usually attacking users or, or something of that nature. But if you're in the product space, if you're doing e-commerce or, or consulting or something like that, I think the most important thing to focus on is is getting customers. Uh, and very early on, you'll you'll be able to determine what a good customer is, what a bad customer is, and what channels uh, they're coming in from. So I would narrow it down to maybe one or two and then put all of your effort into that and just getting the best customers possible and not really worrying about scale at, at first anyway. Because mm -hmm. you'll figure that out as you go along. You'll be able to fix your messaging and, and all of these things and you know fix your product line or fix – you know, what consulting services you're, you'll offer. But if you're doing that and you're not working with people that make you happy or people that are just causing all these problems and things like that, then um, it's really going to hurt the business. What do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? Social media. <laughs> <laughs> I, spend, I spend way too much time... Uh, checking my Twitter feed and, and logging on to Facebook and stuff. And sometimes I try and convince myself uh, that it's work, like uh, like I'm managing our page or something like that. But really those things are just bothersome and they take you away from the bigger picture. Uh, I think early on when you're starting a company, the bigger picture isn't very clear. It's not defined. But the less time you spend on social media will be the better. So where do you see natural stacks in the next 12 months? It's an interesting question. Um, obviously, we're going to scale significantly, add in some more products, but I think you know, really just keep doing what we're doing now. Uh, we don't have any tricks up our sleeve or anything like that. It's like we just want to keep growing a business that's helping people perform better at work, in their lives, you know, and, and be healthier. And what is that going to look like 12 months from now? You know, I, I'm not exactly sure, but that is what we do every day. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing it as best as we can. Well, Ben, uh, thank you very much for coming on Success Harbor uh, to share your story with uh, Natural Stacks. How can people connect with you or find out more about Natural Stacks? Sure. Uh, you can visit naturalstacks.com. You can check out our entire product line. Uh, if you type in Success Harbor, you can save 15% off of your order there. I can be reached. Uh, my personal website is benhebert, H-E-B-E-R-T.com. I'm trying to get into blogging more, so maybe if you guys come and visit me, <laughs> I'll do that. But then I can also be emailed uh, ben at benhebert.com. 
happy to help anyone out with advice or anything I can do. Well, Ben, thank you very much. And everybody out there, check out naturalstacks.com. And wish you much success with Natural Stacks. George, thank you, man. It was a great interview. Thank you very much. Bye.